Hello, and welcome to the Go Take Pictures podcast, where we spend time getting to know people who've decided to use photography to communicate in powerful ways. And the question I want to ask, how do they balance making art with being a real person? How does photography fit into their family, their job, struggles, and everyday life? At the end of the conversation, I'm hoping to know where the art comes from and then share that with you. My guest on this episode is Bryn Elise, a Colorado-based nature, wildlife, and landscape photographer. Bryn has a breathtaking portfolio of imagery that spans locations, conditions, and subjects. We talked about what it takes to be a wildlife photographer, the ethics involved, as well as the carbon footprint of being a photographer. Um, Bryn, I am so excited to talk to you. We've been we've been we've met recently on kind of on the on Twitter, and yeah. I've and I have been I asked you weeks ago, hey, we we should get you on my podcast, <laughs> and you've been really busy with traveling. I've had some traveling, some things, and I'm catching you right before you're getting ready to travel again. So Definitely. thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to make this happen before you head out on the road. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we could make it work. Yeah. Um, so I guess the the part that is most exciting to me is that you do a lot of photography that's stuff that I don't really do. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that, specifically wildlife. Sure. Um, I know you've done some other stuff as well. That's, uh, and some, some newer collections of things you've been putting out that's, that are fantastic as well. But wildlife has always been fascinating to me and partly because I have never really spent any time doing it, but I, but I totally understand because of my friends that do it, it, what it takes and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a lot of work, um, a lot of patience. And I've, I've said this before with people. It's really funny because I'm not a patient person at all in my normal life. So it's, I think it's so good for me that yeah. it requires me to slow down and just be in the moment and be present and and patient um, as I do it. But um, yeah, I do a lot of landscape and wildlife, but wildlife has been my passion since I started. Being a wildlife photographer makes you be patient. I love it. Yeah. Well, it forces you to, uh -huh. <laughs> otherwise you're not going to last very long in wildlife photography. Yeah. Uh, Cause you spend hours waiting for an animal to just get up sometimes Yeah. from, well, you know, a nap all day. Well, and that's my, um, my experience so far with, with has always been accidental for the, I mean, I, I shouldn't say always, but for the most part, um, I was in Mount Rainier national park last week, actually right. on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. And we went for a hike on Tuesday and we came across a whole bunch of marmots, which are the most ridiculous. Like we they have just, a lot of marmots here. Right. Right. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're like just weird little fat mountain beavers. Um, they are. They totally are. And they just don't care. They no. don't care that you're there. They're just chowing down, get ready for winter. And then they turn and they look at you and they kind of oh, just go back to it. And then at one point they just turned and walked right across the trail in front of us. Like, two feet from me. And at one point I got my phone out and held it down there and just kind of watched them for like a minute. <laughs> and then all of a sudden one of them whistles and then like three oh, of right. them will all start running across the, uh, across the um, yeah. landscape. What elevation were you at? You know, we were at the, um, paradise, uh, lodge area. Oh yeah. We were going to stay there last summer before COVID hit. We had to cancel like, our plans. I want to say it's like five to six thousand feet somewhere in that okay range. yeah because yeah, out here we generally only have marmots probably above 11 or twelve thousand feet yeah uh so my the best times i see them are um 
up in the Alpine Tundra and Rocky Mountain National Park um, yeah. and in Colorado. Um, and also Mount Evans is another spot okay. where we see a lot of them and hikes in Rocky Mountain, like any of the yeah. higher elevations. Well, and I'm not, I'm not used to seeing them. We, I spend a lot of time in Eastern Oregon and in the high yes. desert area, there's a lot of pika. Yes. Which I are love like, pika. they're like a little tiny miniature version of that. They're adorable. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I'm used to. So when I saw this marmot, I'm like, what the? <laughs> what is this giant thing? And I didn't even, and it's funny because I, I got a couple good shots with my big camera, but most of it, the interesting, inter- entertaining part is videos with my iPhone. <laughs> Cause, Definitely. Because you could get so close to them. But oh, yeah. and I do that all the time with elk and the rut. You know, yeah. I'll be sitting there with my 400 set up shooting photos and then with my iPhone yeah. moving it around, videoing them, yeah. you know, running with their harem and bugling. Yeah. So I've just gotten lucky. You know, that's how almost all of my photos of animals have, have I kind of just come across them. It's not because I was right. Not, I wasn't looking for them necessarily. Um, so, so it's fascinating to me. Um, so tell me about how did you, how did that become a thing? How did you start taking photos of wildlife? So it's, I think it's really interesting that my, my journey into my love and passion for wildlife literally starts at the ocean, which, you know, you wouldn't really think when you see most of my wildlife photos, Mm -hmm. I focus on the Rocky mountain regions and elk and moose and grizzly bears, black bears, you know, everything that we find here. But, um, I grew up in a, a little cottage in summers that was about 10 minutes from my house. It was the tiniest little shack house, but it was on the beach in, in Orange County in California. And I grew up learning about the tide pools. My grandma or my mom would take me every morning of summer, I would collect seashells. And so I started learning the names of every creature in a tide pool, every mm. shell on the beach, dolphins, whales, seals, sea lions, every, you know, everything I saw there growing up. And so my, my love of nature and wildlife actually came from, you know, growing up in a fairly busy area, but having this little secluded beach that was private at the time. Right. So it was our own little, little beach and you could collect shells then and, and do all of this. So that's initially where it started. Um, my mom loved birds and I did not care at all about birds growing up. Like it annoyed <laughs> me that she was so into birds and, and yet she, definitely ended up instilling that in me. Um, and it's been really cool because my, my boys are both photographers now that they're older. And, um, my oldest, he shoots for his college newspaper. He's one of their main, um, photojournalists, but his favorite thing to photograph is birds. So it's been really fun to see that carry on. Yeah. So it started with that. And then we, when I was growing up, we did all kinds of trips through national parks. My parents just kind of took us on national park trips every summer. Um, we skied in, I learned to ski in Yosemite. So we spent a lot of winter weeks up in Yosemite and I just, I don't know, just something connected with nature and all that my mom had taught me. My mom was a science teacher and I think just, just her love of nature and everything just kind of, kind of led me to be really open to that. And somehow I just absolutely fell in love in um eighth grade we did a trip through tetons yellowstone glacier up through banff um, across canada down through washington oregon and i saw my first moose and i saw my first mountain goat and i I, like felt like my life that's amazing no that's that's and super cool yeah and then you know fast forward you know i've just had a love of nature and 
wilderness and wildlife. And then in college, I ended up majoring in environmental health and planning, um, ended up with this emphasis in uh, environmental law, basically, like a pre-environmental law um, from one of the professors. And I ended up working for him and learned a lot at his law firm about the Endangered Species Act and um, habitat preservation protection. And so it kind of combined these interests of wildlife life and conservation for me. Right. And then um, married my husband, who was a rock climber. We met up in Yosemite and um, he loves nature, loves hiking. He was a wilderness guide leading seven, 14, 21 day courses. Wow. And so, you know, our combined passion for outdoors and wildlife and everything led us to just spend a lot of time outdoors and raise our boys that way. And, um, and then he actually got into photography first and I would kind of be wrangling our little boys. We used to spend a month up near Glacier each summer. So we'd spend all of our weekends and evenings in the park. And so he would uh, photograph a lot of wildlife and different things we'd see. And I would just enjoy watching and getting to see him and keeping the boys busy while he took photos and, (laughs) Um, but we just grew up getting to see so much hiking and running into grizzly bears, having crazy moose encounters, you know, just watching so much wildlife on the trips we did with our boys growing up. And then eventually I kind of took over all the camera gear. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like that. So what, um, and maybe you said this in there and I've just missed it, but when did you move to Colorado? So I've been in Colorado, um, since my mid twenties. Oh, okay. Okay. We won't say exactly how old I am, <laughs> but I have two boys in college. So that'll go. tell you something. That says something um, for sure. Yeah. So basically when I met my husband, I had just, I'd been living in Vail as a ski bum and I had moved back to California to work again at the environmental law firm I'd been at. And my husband had been working in Yellowstone and was moving to Breckenridge to be a ski bum. And we kind of collided in yeah, very randomly in Yosemite. And then after we dated long distance for a while, we decided to settle um, here when we got married. Cool. No, oh, that's great. That's great. I, I love uh, hearing people's origin stories. It's nice to know where people came from. And I, we, yeah, had... and he's from Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So very he, we come from very different areas and we literally moved to Boulder for the climbing. So okay. Okay. It was like that was why we came here. We didn't have jobs. We just moved here for the rock climbing. So I think that's, that's super, just cause we, you know, we've known each other f- through some, uh, a group, some group DM threads and things over on Twitter, right. but I would, I don't n- know any of that history of, of you. Um, so you talked about being a ski bomb and then rock climbing. Yeah. Well, I'm not a big climber. I, not I now, definitely... but you, <laughs> you guys moved there for, for it. So we did, but I mean, it was, it was it his thing. definitely my, my husband's passion and I did it because he loved it and yeah. he taught me everything so I could be his belay, you know, partner while yeah. he was climbing. And then hey, yes, works. I climbed with him. So when we were first married, yeah, we definitely climbed, but very, you know, minimal, easy stuff for me compared to what he was doing, you know, he had climbed, he hadn't climbed the nose, but he'd climbed other uh, routes on El Cap and in Yosemite. And so he, his good friend from there had moved out here. And so they climbed a lot together. So, and I wanted to get back to Colorado after living in Vail. I knew that I couldn't live in Orange County full time anymore. It wasn't where I was supposed to be with my love of nature and wildlife. (laughs) Right. So is climbing something that's, is that something that, that you guys, that still happens? 
Um, yes, I don't. I've had um, major back surgery. I've oh, had a okay. fusion at two levels in my back. I injured my back in Africa about 11 years ago. Um, and that's been, you know, the past, past decade has been dealing with a lot of that. So I've only done some extremely easy climbs with them. But our sure. boys both climb. Our boys both work at the um, most well-known rock gym in Boulder. Oh, wow. Okay. And they're both big climbers and my husband climbs. A lot of our trips are planned around climbing, which is great though, because I, I'll okay it as long as it's a beautiful place, right? Yeah. You're like, hey, if I, I can bring my do... camera, I'm good to yes. go. Yes. And so it works out. So it's like trips, you know, every Thanksgiving when they were in high school, we spent in Joshua Tree. Okay. And I would do photography and I love taking photos of them climbing too. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'd be out with them. I'd go do my own thing. I'd come back. Um, we've, done climbing trips in Squamish, British Columbia, in Yosemite, here in, you know, the Colorado and Rocky Mountains. And so all these great places to climb are generally very beautiful areas. Sure. And so it's worked out for our family to do. And then with my boys loving photography too now, they love jumping in on that aspect of it when we're traveling as well. Yeah. I have always found, uh, so first of all, I, I have like the, the tiniest, tiniest amount of, of rock climbing experience. Like when I was a freshman in college, a buddy of mine goes, Hey, I've got extra harness and stuff. You want to come? And I, right. I went like two or three times in you, in Eugene, Oregon. I went to U of O for a year Okay. Uh, when I was first getting started and they, right. they have some, um, that column, the basalt, uh, columns yes. right uh-huh. in the middle of town. And so it's kind of like this little, kind of just a sport climbing little, super easy uh area and it's you know i went and tried that a few times i was like oh this is really cool and then i was poor college student i couldn't find afford any gear so i just never went yeah with it gear is expensive oh yeah it's it's crazy and it's taken a lot of time but our boys have both you know have their own racks now um through a lot of christmases and birthdays and and everything so when they go out with like several friends they always are at the house getting all of my husband's gear too but nice but they both have yeah they both have trad racks and so they do sport climbing and trad yeah um you know fortunately they have a dad who has taught them to be super safe and careful and taught them everything really well so um yeah they get out a lot that's great I, i i think it's um I didn't have that, you know, growing up. I, all of my, I grew up hunting, uh-huh. um, with my dad, like he was, before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, elk and we were talking right. about, and I grew up hunting elk. So that was right. the, the difference for me. Uh, so I, we had guns and we had all that gear, but we didn't, I didn't do any <laughs> kind of sport and I ran cross country, but I didn't have any like sports. Like I, I, and I, I mountain biked a bit, but it wasn't, you know, like I didn't have crazy amounts of gear and so it, i think that's great though that they they grew up doing it so it's it's second yeah. nature they're safe they they grew up doing this that's it's like growing up being a growing up as somebody who surfs if you have parents Definitely. that surf you just you just don't even think about it it's just that's just built in right it feels normal to them because they've yeah. been doing it their whole lives yeah 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 which is kind of like in my house i i'm a musician as well and so, oh, okay. I so didn't my, know that. yeah. And so I, if you, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but if you go look on iTunes, there is an album out there. No way. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I never made it big. Uh, I, that's awesome. <laughs> I put it out there. It's kind of a, um, acoustic folk rock Christian sort of thing from the early two thousands. Oh, so, that's so cool. Yeah. So it's out there. Um, but that means that we've always had 
lots of guitars and amps and pedals and things. So my boys are very used to that, that musical instruments are just a thing that we just have around. Definitely. But as they get older, they keep going, Oh, I want to get some nicer stuff for myself. Cause I, they're like, I want to borrow this. I want to take it. I'm like, no, you're not taking it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They, they do that. Don't they? That's, that'd be like, I'm not letting them take my camera, you know? <laughs> it's the yeah. Same oh, thing. they, they take ours. Like they totally use the 400. Okay. And we're well, both I like, mean, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's insured. It's insured. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear how that goes. Well, no, I think that's, so that's super exciting that they have gotten into that and it's become a thing for them as well. Um, yeah. They love everything outdoors. I mean, we really raised them camping, backpacking, hiking, photography, climbing. That's, you know, that's just kind of what they've known that's cool. in their lives. One of my absolute favorite photographers is, is somebody who is a, is a rock climber. Um, and, and more, um, like Smith rock type of, you know, yeah. not Alpine, but more, uh, you know, like, and I don't even know the right terminology, but, um, do you know who Ben Moon is? You familiar with him? Yes. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah. And he lives here in he's Oregon. He's so incredible. Uh, pretty close to Portland. Um, he's I, the one who had his, the dog video of Denali, yeah, right? Denali. Yeah. Denali. Okay. Um, and, and he, has I, a, yeah, he wrote a book too. And the book right. is really, really good. So anybody who's listening, Ben Moon, Denali, read the book and in the short film, my wife won't watch it anymore. Cause she's like, I can't, I can't take watching that dog die. Can I don't know it. why I've watched it so many times. I will watch it with tears streaming down. Cause my it's face, incredible. It it's is powerful. So touching. It like gives me chills just talking about yeah. it. I didn't know he had a book too. Oh yeah. The, so he, I think he had some friends that, that watched the video and they're like, so I don't know if anybody who hasn't watched this, the basically it's, it's a video. Uh, ben had colorectal cancer. And had to, and ha- now has a colostomy bag, but he had this dog named Denali, who is this. I don't mutt's not really the right word. He's he's kind of a yeah, mix of mixed like breed. he's kind of like there's some German Shepherd in there, and there's some other, you know, I don't know exactly what, but basically this dog stuck through it by his side while he was going through cancer, and then Ben made like him, in the bed in the like hospital yeah and, with them. That's, yeah, those are the scenes that just got me. And and the whole the short film is from it's narrated like it's Denali, the dog narrating it. And he's talking about how I was with you when you were sick. And now you're with me while I'm sick because he'd gotten old and he was dying. And it's this really touching story of how these two beings, you know, Ben and Denali had connected. Um, But he had friends that said, Hey, the movie is great, but the story is so much bigger. And there's your story is bigger even than what you told in that film. And so he got is talked the book into, called Denali. It is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I need to pick that up. Yeah. Sure. It's really good. It's really good. Um, but anyway, Ben is one of those people that I've always, I didn't even know that I was admiring his photography, but he's been shooting for Patagonia for the, in their catalogs right. for years and years and years. Yeah. I know that uh, and, Patagonia is my absolute all time favorite company that I've been in love with since I was. 18. I'm pretty much. I don't know. There's pretty rare that there's a day where I'm not wearing something. That's so funny. That's my whole house. We literally all wear Patagonia all the time. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, I literally have a ball cap behind me. I'm wearing a Patagonia shirt. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally, <laughs> I raised my boys in Patagonia and I always figured out when the sales were so yeah. that I could look like when they were young and, you know, first week in August, much money. Yeah. And, yeah. and then the winter sale <laughs> the too winter in sale, February. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get them stuff for the following year, you yeah, know? And, exactly. But, so yeah, I love everything about Patagonia. Okay. So brief detour here because I, we're going to talk a little bit more about conservation about nature. Um, I have been, so I'm 46 now. And I remember a time when I was a young college student where I, I would just scrimp every last penny to buy Patagonia stuff um, because I thought it was really cool. And I was trying to, I was out being outdoors a lot. I, and I live in Oregon, so it was, it's always rainy here. So you got to have good uh, rain gear. And somewhere along the way, they started doing things um, to basically reinforce the idea that our planet is not an infinite resource. Um, it may have started Definitely. with the 1% for the planet, um, which they were, you know, one of the founding members of. It might have been when they had their big ad of don't buy this jacket. Um, yeah. And, you know, and they were making their fleeces out of recycled mm-hmm. um, the pop soda bottles, bottles yeah. and stuff. I feel like that even came before the... The ads, if you don't know much about Patagonia, they started doing what the Black Friday yeah. ads that said, like, don't buy this, don't yeah. shop with us. And then they started raising money those days. And a couple of years ago, they did a every all proceeds from Black Friday. Yes. Went, yeah. went, went back to uh, conservation causes. Right. And then they also do Warnwear now, which they've been very involved in. The shirt I'm wearing a lot of, is from yeah, Warnwear. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Recycled clothes. And so we've used so many. We have stuff from years and years ago from Mm -hmm. Patagonia and we send it in when it needs, you know, to get fixed. We just take, we have a Patagonia store and I'll just go drop it off and they ship it in and sew it up and we get it back. And yeah. So yeah, definitely. (laughs) That's a detour, but I little detour, but it's it. I love that company and there's a reason I love that company. And one of my favorite movies is 180 degrees South. Have you seen that? Yes. Um, that is one of my top movies and I just love how they retrace the journey that Yvonne Chouinard and, um, Doug Tompkins from North Face who founded North Face, um, just kind of their original journey down to Patagonia and everything about that movie. Oh yeah. Well, I think it's, it's so, the reason I brought it up is because there are arguably other outdoor clothing companies that make gear that's just as good, you know, Definitely, I, or better. I have, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have some arcteric <laughs> stuff that I, exactly. that I absolutely love. Like my, one of my daily uniforms, I have these, I have this one arcteric shirt and I have like six of them. It's the exact same shirt in different colors. That's so funny. I do that with my Patagonia shirts. <laughs> well, I have, I have four, no, three of the same exact Patagonia Merino uh, zip up cardigans as well. They're right. identical. And it's because they were discontinuing it. And I was like, you know what? I got on eBay and found a few. Um, but there's something that has drawn me back towards them over the last few years. And it's this idea that they are starting to say, wait a second here, maybe don't go buy the new thing. And they are intentionally saying, please bring this stuff back to us, trade it in right. if you want, and we'll we'll give you a trading credit. Um, and then they buy them, they buy stuff off of eBay too. I've heard like, I wouldn't secretly. be, yeah, that makes sense. Secretly. That totally makes sense that they would. Because they don't want it to not end up in a landfill. And so I'm 
that just made me one gave me one more reason to go okay i'm just going to try to throw my business their way but then i think it was last year i lost some weight last year um like 40 pounds wow good for you yeah thanks i mean it was one of those hey it's covid and people are putting on weight i'm like how about i lose some weight <laughs> that's what stuff? i did <laughs> Well, I, I went the other direction. I you needed went the to, best though. way possible. I, I needed to, though. <laughs> but when I did that, I have a fairly large collection of, you know, outdoorsy kinds of stuff. And I, when I started going to replace it, I decided that I was, I was like, you know, this is a good opportunity for me to not go buy a bunch of new stuff, but to say, okay, I'm going to sell the stuff I have and I'm going to try to find used versions of them, like to kind of keep the circle Definitely. going. And it worked really well. And it kind of like a pair, I had like a paradigm shift and I kind of just decided, I think I'm going to move towards buying less new, new stuff if I can. Um, Yeah, that's really cool. And they've really made it, they made it possible. Like that's been, it's been really cool. They definitely have. We've done a lot, a lot through that too. And through Warnware, we actually had a, they had a pop-up store here for, Oh, nice. I want to say a year, but I don't know because I think COVID hit during that. But yeah, all the, like we all did Christmas presents for each other from the Warnware store. Yeah. And well, they have some yeah, really, cool really cool stuff that is like weird one-off stuff, like down, yeah. down these down vests that are made out of completely recycled. They're not yes. cheap. <laughs> but, oh, I know. There's a down scarf that I was dying to have, but it was, yeah, it was really pricey because yeah. they'd pieced together all these pieces from a down jacket. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I I never got that, but yeah. So so it's it's it is really interesting um, to kind of think about. So we're photographers, and you mm-hmm. spend a lot of time. We, we've we've gone over this. You spend a lot of time outdoors, and you have your entire adult life, um, and before yes. that too. And so does your whole family. So, what I'm one of the things that I'm curious about, and we're just kind of we're kind of stream of thought in this. Um, Definitely. But I'm, that's great. I'd, I'd love to know how do you, how do you deal with that in your head? The idea that we're going out into nature and we're taking pictures of things, which means we're traveling there. We're bringing ourselves out there and we are inevitably having an impact on the natural world. How does that, like, how does that sit in your brain? Um, not to, not to like, put you on the hot seat here. No, it's, it's really good. And I'll be really honest about it. Um, because I, I feel like I lived, I'm, I'm, I still am in various ways with things I'm involved in currently. Right. But I'm, I feel like I'm living in these two worlds. I'm in this very conservation minded environmental climate change issues. You know, I'm very focused on all that and, and giving money and volunteering and, doing what I can there. And yet over on this other side, I'm driving wherever I want to take photos and not even honestly until the last honestly year, not even considering the cost of all that Mm. because it's what I love and what I want to do. And I don't want to stop doing it. Right. And so it's been tough. Um, I think one of the things, you know, you and I have talked about and that I've talked about, Um, I know I talked about on Matt's podcast with NFTs that, you know, we've both gotten a little bit involved in is that I honestly feel like it took NFTs to bring me to this broader, I mean, I, you know, like we said, Patagonia clothing, using worn wear, 
recycle, I mean, oh, composting, all these things that you can do. And I'm doing all that. And yet there's this other world where I'm ignoring it because I right. want to go take photographies and take photographies, take <laughs> photographs, <laughs> be out in nature and travel. I love to travel. And so I've been trying to look more at my overall carbon footprint um, in terms of everything I'm doing and, and making different choices. I'm not giving up travel. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm driving up to the Tetons in Yellowstone for a week and that's an eight hour drive from here. I know I'm not going to give it up completely, but what I did do this summer, um, well, a few things, I stopped eating red meat. Um, and I know this is all over the place, but it, to me, it's a, it's a whole broader issue. All over the place is good. Like my photography is falling into this broader issue of, okay, if I'm going to do this and a lot of people would argue, well, that's not okay. You need to not do that and not do that. But I think we have to be realistic too on, you know, what we're going to do and, and, you know, are we really all going to stop travel as photographers completely? But so I stopped eating red meat. We've literally stopped as our boys are both in college. Now we don't use our air conditioner. We've been just dealing with hot evenings. We both work downstairs, my husband and I, it stays cool enough. And then we just deal with the evenings. And so we've been barely using our air conditioning, mm. you know, not eating red meat. I used to drive up to Rocky Mountain National Park, like any chance I got, I'd shoot up even if it was two or three hours. And this summer, I really changed that where I've only probably gone three times this summer, where in the past, I would go 20, 25, uh -huh. you know, I don't know. And so now I'm more of, I can go up if I am camping overnight, if I'm doing, you know, an all day hike or, you know, something like that. But I can't just shoot up and back for an evening to just drive through the park looking for wildlife. You know, I, I, I've got to limit some of that to help me feel better about other areas that I'm not doing as well in. So well, and more I don't than, even know if that answers the no, question. No, it totally I'm, does. I'm all over the place. But um, it's, I think it's something that as photographers, we all really need to think about and deal with. Um, I don't travel internationally, really. Um, I, you know, have gone to Africa a couple of times for a nonprofit that my husband and I founded and I've done that. I've been to France, you know, on the way to Africa, but like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get to fly all over and go to Norway and Iceland and Italy and, you know, all these places that I would love to see. I do go to Maui. Um, my dad takes my brother's family and my family to Maui every couple of years. And, you know, I, I don't want to give that up. It's incredible family time and incredible bonding with my whole family, but there's a cost to it. And so, right. you know, then trying to figure out how to also offset those costs. I hadn't thought about really offsetting my travel costs until getting into some of this NFT stuff. So it's, it's a huge process. And honestly, it's one I've really been working through these last four or five months, probably more than I ever have before. Well, the fact that you're that you are thinking about it. I think that's, yeah, I, it's, it's easy to say, well, words don't, you know, don't get it done. But mm -hmm. the fact that you're saying, Hey, I'm not eating red meat. Hey, I've changed my behavior. Like in some ways, I don't know, Matt and I talked about this when he and I, when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago and, um, and that's Matt Payne for anybody who doesn't yeah. know, but we were talking about some of this stuff and, and there's this idea that, you know, carbon offsets is a kind of a popular idea right now. I mean, it has been for a few years, but it's gotten really popular. And right when, you know, people started going, Hey, we're doing this crypto thing with art NFTs. 
we're going to just offset. And one of the things that's interesting is that an offset by definition means that you are eliminating something else to make up for, right? you know, and, and, and I guess I have always felt like it seems like a weird, it seems like a misnomer to say, I'm going to buy carbon offsets. You can't right. just, I just don't, I, you can't just throw money at what you're doing. You have to, you say, well, I'm going to do this, but it's okay. Cause I'm going to throw some money at some other good cause. And instead what you're talking about is that you're like, I'm going to still travel. I'm still going to go do some of this, but I'm also going to decide that I'm not going to contribute to what red meat does to the, the carbon impact on the planet. And I'm going to travel less to certain places where there are some other places where I'm not going to cut back. And I think that's a, as much as I think there's people want there to be this, um, it, if you know it's wrong, you shouldn't do it. Exactly. Cause I was going to say, it's still selfish on my part, you know, as, but as someone who's, you know, I work part-time for our nonprofit, but then my other part-time job is photography. So right. when you make your income from that, you know, it, it is hard to decide, okay, I'm just not going to go anywhere. Um, but I think we have to, you know, cut back. I agree the whole, the, when I first got into like the NFT space, I believed at first that this carbon offsetting was a, you know, great option, great way to go. But that offsetting that you can do there is not enough, but we can still work towards doing things that offset our overall footprint with our flights, with our driving and all of that. And so I think we can do that plus a lot more. And so I'm working on the lot more (laughs) and trying to figure out, you know, what that, what that all looks like. Um, and with, you know, NFTs, I, I know we don't want to necessarily talk too much about that, but I, on top of that, then I give 50% of what I make to conservation organizations, um, that do, um, main, a lot of wildlife conservation, but you know, they also do a lot of climate change oh, and stuff. And, and a lot of people say that's really hypocritical because you're doing something that requires energy and then giving, but it's, you know, I mean, I'm doing what I can and I'm trying my best. And, and, you know, the podcast I did with Matt Payne was really helpful for me because it really helped me see all sides. And I'm, I'm not closed minded in this. And I, I'm, you know, never trying to say like, well, this is how I'm doing it. And I won't, won't do these other things. I want to learn. I want to do more. And at the same time, there are going to be people that criticize me and say, well, you're not doing enough and you're a hypocrite and this and that. And I'm, I'm just okay with that at this point. I know what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do. And, you know, the areas that I've seen our family make huge differences and, and I'm, I'm trying to balance all that. I think that makes I sense. I feel okay about it. Yeah. Well, I think that makes sense. And it's, it's funny cause you've said how I feel about it. And I think one of the things that's interesting, I'll just, I'm going to even correct you a little bit and say, it's not just how you feel about it. It's that you're actually doing things that, that, do make a difference. They don't just make you feel better about yourself. They, you right. said, and you've said that a couple times. And I right, but I'm also doing the things, right? You know, but yeah, I think it's I mean, I driving think it's, to the Tetons. You know, right, right. Um, I did the. I drove nearly 500 miles round trip to go up to Rainier and Mount St. Helens. Um, right. But what I didn't do is I didn't fly internationally. Um, yeah, definitely. But I am going to go on a trip to Maui in January. So. You know, I know I, you have to kind of weigh that stuff out and figure out, um, 
I think maybe the, the, the word I keep throwing around that I think is really great is to think holistically. Definitely. And to, and to realize that if you're just a big butthole towards the planet on a regular basis, that's a problem. If you are mindful about trying to say, how can I make decisions most of the time that are, that are not super bad for the planet, <laughs> then you're probably going to come out ahead in, right. in, in making better choices. And it's like, that's how I raise, that's how I've tried to raise my kids. I'm not trying to raise them with a legalistic rules, a set of rules no. that like, if you behave like this, 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 and this, everything will be right. No, it's like, how about you just be kind to people and you, and you do your best to help other people. And if you do that, things are going to probably come out okay. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest thing is like, you know, like we're talking about is being willing to have a dialogue about right. it, you know, and, and being open to hearing other sides. We've just lost that right. in our society and it's still extremely important. And so I hope we can find that in all these discussions yeah. as well. And then there's the whole part of, you know, the whole people that come from a different socioeconomic background right. and, you know, what's their availability and how do we help them? And, you know, and, there, there's so many aspects to it. And there's, you know, like the nonprofit we have is, is basically, you know, off a Bible verse in Jeremiah about defending the cause of the poor and needy, mm. you know? And so yeah. some of the other half of my life is focused on uh, working with nationals and national churches and um, social and medical outreach programs, helping the poorest of the poor right. in democratic Republic of Congo and Gabon, you know? So, and I, so while that has nothing to do with photography necessarily, it's it it is the holistic approach that you're talking about. Yeah. Like we need to look at caring for people who have a lot less than we do. We need to care for this planet. We need to care for the people on this planet. We need to have dialogue with each other. And we need to still protect nature and wildlife yeah. and and still be able to enjoy what we love in nature and, and make it more accessible to everyone. And there, yeah. there's so much to take into account with it all. Yeah, I think there's a balance, and that's the part that's that gets lost a lot. Um, you know, you mentioned the Bible verse, so I'll say like there's this this kind of idea, and I I can't remember the verse off the top of my head, but the idea that he who knows what is sin, you know, what to do and doesn't do it to him it's sin, and I think yeah that's the idea that people approach some of these things with. They're like, well, if you know that this is not great, then you absolutely can't do it. And if you do, then you're a bad person. And I think right. the reality is like, do you own an internal combustion engine vehicle? Because if you do, we all know those are bad for the planet. Like we right. all know it. It's kind of like, it's like, I mean, this is, sounds bad. It might, maybe makes people mad, but it's like continuing to smoke, knowing what we know in the year 2021, like, you know, that it's killing you. So continuing to do it is just dumb, but people do. And we, Definitely. And, we, and we're not going to say like that, that person <laughs> is a bad person. They may deserves less in this right, world because right. of that. Yeah. Yeah. People make bad choices or they make, they make choices that for them are, they have to weigh it all out. And that's, it's such a weird, hard place to be at. I hate, I think that's the thing you can't argue with that. Some of the stuff we do is, is not great for the planet, but you right. have to, but you have to kind of weigh it out and, and decide. Like I'm looking at this pile of, gear on my on my desk which is my dining room table it's like hard drives and cables and every single right. thing that's attached to these things is plastic and and petroleum yeah. products right i mean so right 
but there yeah, are, there I mean, are no other I, versions of these things. They all yeah, are and I think it's just you know just a, a lot of people haven't even taken these steps to start doing any of this right. and to think through any of this. So I think any small steps any of us can make to have less of an impact on the planet um, is excellent. Yeah. And you know, am am I a perfect role model in this? Absolutely not. You know, I. Oh, I think that I think the, the land. I'm the fact that you're know, thinking like, about it makes you the perfect role model because that's what no, we, I don't know. That's <laughs> what we want people to be doing. I, you want yeah. people to not. I mean, it's in my mind all the time, yeah. and my choices, and my you know. So and and that and it's hard because then you also know when you're making the choices that aren't good for the planet and that feel somewhat selfish. Sure, but um, it's interesting when you process so much of this after getting into photography or after living a life in nature right. and traveling to spots that you love. And yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> totally. So what, um, so we talked about getting back to photography. We talked uh-huh. about your, the, the, your interaction with nature from, a, you know, as a wildlife photographer. But you just shared, and even before you made it public, we, you and I were talking and you showed me some photos uh, that were not wildlife photos. So you do a lot of that too. And, <laughs> I do. and I would love to know more <laughs> about what are your favorite places to shoot? What are the things that you're, what are you looking for? What, what inspires you? Um, so yes, I do. I do landscape as much as wildlife. And I, you know, I was, I've shared with a couple of people this, um, I had like this like critical moment in June. I was in Yellowstone and the Tetons. My son had a leave no trace course um, up there. And so I drove him up and then I was just camping and I was exhausted because I was getting up for sunrise for landscapes, you know, shooting sunset landscape, unless I had a perfect animal at sunset, then I'm with the animal. Then I'm driving, you know, driving, hiking, looking for wildlife during the day. It is exhausting. And sometimes I feel like I'm missing all of it because I'm at sunrise when I need to be with the wildlife and I'm with the wildlife when I should be doing landscapes. And so I I was seriously considering like, do I need to quit one of these? Like, how how do I keep pursuing both of these and be, you know, be good at both of them. Yeah. Just hire an assistant. um, You have a, have a second, a second shooter. (laughs) I don't have enough money for that. (laughs) I don't think any of us do. (laughs) And a second shooter doesn't really work. Right. But, um, yeah, so I I do. I love landscape. Um I try to split my time. You know, I do spend most of my time here in Colorado and in Wyoming and Montana. That's where probably 80% of my photos come from. And then I spend some time, you know, at the ocean in Southern California where my family's from and these family trips we've taken over the years to Maui. So that that is literally my photography is is from those areas. And um I absolutely love sunrise and sunsets. I love reflections. I could, you know, I could shoot reflections all day. It's probably what I look for the most anywhere I am. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I have a, I just have a real love for just seeing the whole scene reflected in a lake and a puddle and a river. Uh, so that's some of my favorites. Um, I love fall color. I love this time of year is my favorite time to be out shooting. Um, I, I don't know. I love it all. I love, you know, snowshoeing or hiking with spikes on in winter and mm-hmm. shooting mountains then. Although I, 
I tend to never make it for sunrise during winter. It's a little I don't intense. like to get up in the morning. So that's <laughs> a little hard as a nature photographer to hate mornings. But, um, you know, yeah. and I'll even struggle in the Tetons. And I have so many friends that I've made from being up there every year. And, you know, and without the pressure from them, I swear I'd sleep through half the mornings I was up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just I have a couple friends sad, like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I would much prefer sunsets, but... Um, sunrises are incredible. I've never, I've never regretted getting up for one. I'm kind um, of one of those candle, burn the candle at both ends. Um, yeah. I like, I like, but I'm kind of a morning person and a night owl. So yeah, that is problematic for sleep, but, um, Oh, definitely. But yeah, sunrise, if I had to pick, it'd always be sunrise. Yeah. See, and mine would be sunset because I'm easily up till one or 2 AM a lot of nights, like wide awake. And so, you know, Sunrise time's like middle of the night for me as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I do get out a lot. And I, I, I don't know. I love mountains. I love reflections. I love the ocean. I love ocean scenes. I love long exposure of water. So what is um, your, why do you make photos? I know that's a super open-ended question, but you said you love it. And I'm, yeah, I'm, oh. I'm curious where, do, what is the spot that it fills in you or what, or what does it, how does it drive you? Um, well, it gets me out in nature. It's, it's really encouraged me to hike a lot more since my back injury. I, I had started, you know, just, just slow down and feel like everything was too hard and finding photography as I've only been doing photography about six years. And, um, finding that and having that drive me to then hike more and snowshoe more and, you know, just get out there because I love photography has just helped me so much. I have more peace and joy when I'm in nature and solitude and silence alone than, you know, most things. I mean, I love being with my family. I love our family time, but that time alone for me, um, is incredible. And I think why I take photos is because when I'm in that moment and doing it, whether I'm just sitting on the side of a lake, you know, waiting to see if something happens there, but in the meantime, just being present and just enjoying that solitude and beauty and nature. And, you know, sometimes it's literally, there's one lake I love to go to and I'm often there alone and it's literally just ducks and dragonflies. And mm -hmm. often I'm waiting to see if a moose will come out or it's a sunset I'm waiting for. But during that time that I'm there, whether I'm even actually shooting or I'm sitting, just being, um, I don't think about anything else. Like everything else just goes to the side. I'm an anxious person. I've grown up with a lot of anxiety and depression and, um, you know, panic disorder and, and stuff and, and all of that. And then just stress and your, you know, just life and work and everything. All of that's just gone mm -hmm. when I'm with a camera. It's like, you put the camera in my hand or just put me on a hike out in nature. It's the, that same kind of feeling, but more so with photography, when I'm, when I'm focused on trying to capture something, there is just nothing else going on in my brain right? besides the scene I'm in and whether that's an animal I'm watching or movement of water or sunset over the mountains or the ocean. I'm so in that moment. It's kind of the only time I've ever found that I am, 100% just in a moment. And when you find that feeling, you just want it all the time. You've got to hang on. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so you look forward to those times that, that you get out because you know, you, you have that. 
isn't it interesting? Because I find that 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 to be true, and I I I say this not to to make a light less of it. I'm not somebody who has really struggled with depression. That's not been a thing for me, but I have so many friends that do. And I've noticed that it's, there's a theme to this, that getting out in nature and making photography, making photographs is a healing thing. And I, I, I've had somebody say, Oh yeah, it's a distraction. I had somebody, I've heard somebody say that before. Right. Um, and but I have found that it's not a distraction so Mm-mm. much as it's a change of perspective. It's life giving. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't ever see it as a distraction. Um, but again, I have struggled a lot more with anxiety than with depression. Sure. Um, I, I wonder if it's because you are, if, if it's like serving people, if, if it has, it's hard to be caught up in your own, anxious thoughts or thoughts about yourself in general when there's something else that's so engrossing something else that's that makes everything else seem maybe not quite as important definitely maybe that maybe that belittles the thoughts a little bit i don't mean to do that no i know it has been interesting with um these spaces you know having gotten into clubhouse and twitter spaces and these audio things i'd never been a part of before i had no idea how many photographers struggled with these different things. I, was I think like, it's an oh, artist thing. A, yeah. It's an artist thing. We're, and we're a bunch. And, and yet at the same time, like, I don't think I ever thought of myself as an artist. Hmm. Um, you know, everyone thought I was in an, was so great at drawing when I was young and, you know, and my family was always like, I can't believe you gave it up. And I was always like, I never advanced past fifth grade art. Like you all think I was an <laughs> incredible artist, but it's, stop. Like I literally did, you know, couldn't even get A's in art classes. So I think I've never seen myself as an artist until these last couple of years with photography. Mm. I've really seen like, or a creative person. And then I've realized through a lot of different things, I am a creative person. I, I see how I've been a creative person. But yeah. I never thought of myself that way. That's interesting. I, I grew up always thinking, this is maybe sounds really pretentious or like I'm full of myself. <laughs> But I always grew up thinking of myself as like an artist of some sort. I played music for a long Little time. I was music, a music major yeah. in college. I drew a ton when I was a kid. Um, I wrote, you know, did songwriting, you know, record, wrote enough songs to record an album and right. lead a band and that stuff. And then got into photography. I was always, I, I've been into photography of some sort for a long time, but I got really into it later and it kind of took the place of music. Right. Um, but, but it's weird because I'm not, I'm the analytical brain kind of person. So I don't, I, I'm not the t- prototypical artist. <laughs> like I'm, I'm so pragmatic about everything. Like I'm always thinking about, okay, how do I set the shot up? And when, do, how do I plan to be there at exactly the right time? And right. When, when's the sun going to come down and where is it going to be? And I, that's kind of how I think about that stuff. But there's so many photographers like that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that plan out everything. I'm somewhere in the middle on that, you know, like, I look at where the light's going to be, what the timing is and stuff, but then I just kind of go. Yeah. Like I just let everything unfold. I don't, I don't really, I mean, I guess that's not true. I feel like, I guess half the time I plan shots and half the time I'm just free flowing with. with I like it when you prep a bunch and then you get completely surprised with something. Exactly. You're like, well, I guess I'll just roll with it. 
exactly. Because oftentimes when you do and you're like, okay, here's, I'm set up for this scene. It's behind you. Yeah. 90% of the time this scene oh, yeah. unfolds behind you and you have to make it work. I had a time, I think it was almost a year ago where I was up at Mount Hood. And there's this one area that's on the east side of Mount Hood that's, you know, we were up there at sunset time, but you're not, you're kind of behind the mountain, so you're not really going to get yeah. anything real right. real fancy. And we had full-on crazy fire happening on both sides. Like the, the clouds lit up and it was blue hour. It was probably 20 minutes after the sun had gone down. Right. And the whole thing just lit up like crazy. And my friend Justin and I were up there and we just kept pointing our cameras one way the other way, the other way, like, is one of these going to stop at some point? And you kind of just, we were not there to shoot that at all. That was not why we Right, came. and those are the best moments. Yeah. Those are such incredible moments. Yeah. Like, I remember a time in Joshua Tree where the sky did that, like, we'd finish climbing for the day. And I, I basically said to everyone, we're not leaving till <laughs> sunset happens. Like, now we're here for me. You know, I've yeah. been, we've been doing the climbing thing all day and now it's, now it's golden hour, you know, and, and we were with my brother and his daughters at the time. And, um, it turned like, I mean, you were pink. You like, I remember holding my hands up and looking at them and being like, they are literally pink. The sky was a cotton candy pink. Like I'd never seen in every direction. You almost like, don't know what, what to point your camera yeah, like you at a 360 all of a It's like, yeah, it's so amazing. You just sometimes lose your mind and are just like, yeah. Shooting everywhere. Well, it's such a weird thing too. I think um I think the the more experience you get as a photographer, the more you realize like those I think it's really easy to focus on those and, and always be chasing that kind of stuff. And so I've had some photographers that I go, Hey, well, let's go shoot. And they're like, eh, the the light there's no the light's not interesting. And and I half of my favorite photos were taken when the light was totally not interesting. Right. Because you you say okay, that's when you actually have to get good at what you're doing. That's when you have definitely you have to figure out okay, how do I how do I make this image interesting, or how do I find something interesting when there's not just a thing handed to me? And it feels yeah, like I agree. While as much as I love sunrises and sunsets, where it's just you know like I don't know if you ever use the the um, the photographer's ephemeris, the TPE app. I don't. It, well, it's it's a cool app that helps you predict right. where things know, are going to be. Yeah. They I know what it is and everything. But... There's literally a service in there called Skyfire, right? Where you can pay <laughs> and it tells you if the if it's going to go off, you know? Right. So. Yeah. See, I don't like, I don't want to know that. I want to go out at sunset not knowing if it's going to just be nothing or it's going to light up because that's part of it for me. Right is the experience. And if it doesn't light up, then I'm finding other things. If it lights up, it's just beautiful. And I love it, but it's beautiful no matter what. And there's always something to shoot. And, you know, I don't, it's not something that I specialize in or or do a lot of, but I love macro photography and I love doing that when the lights, you know, when the light's not great or it's, you know, too bright in the daytime, there's so much you can do with macro and intimate landscape scenes. Yeah. And I love that too. And so in Yellowstone, that time of day is when I'm, you know, taking photos of thermal features and focusing on, you know, the steam and the mud and the colors and the minerals and, you know, all of that too. Like there's, there's always something. And especially with a macro lens, it's like, literally, if I feel like there's nothing else around to shoot, I'll put the macro lens on and just start walking. Yeah. One of my, one of my best shooting buddies, um, his name is Cody Keto. 
and we shoot we shoot together all the time. Although uh-huh. the last couple months, not as much. He hurt his back, and so we've been kind of taking a mm-hmm. break. And that and he's a pretty prolific like wedding and senior portrait photographer. It's, right. it's like that time of year. It is. But when we go shoot, he. I'm always over here shooting. Oh, look at this waterfall and look at this stuff. And he's always over pointed at some fern or he's found some flower right. or some spider. And that's, and it always cracks me up because we have, we, we just laugh. I'm like, Oh, it, Cody's pointing his macro lens right. at something. And he's looking at me and I'm over stopping people on the trail. be like, Hey, can I take your portrait? <laughs> so, <laughs> we both have our weird things we do, but well, and uh, it's, it's great. It's so interesting too, though. Cause you know, in, in thinking of that and like that he's shooting one thing and you're shooting another, there's, there's so much talk of like, you know, finding your thing and your focus. And is that macro and these intimate things? Is it these colors? You know, what do you do? And, and I'm one that always, I don't know. I love that. And I think part of me struggles because I I wish I was more like that, that like I knew my style, what I loved, what I shoot, how I edit. But, um, I love it. Like, I love it all so much that, you know, especially being in wildlife too, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like wildlife, landscapes, macro. I love all of it. And I struggle when people try to tell me I need to figure out (laughs) my thing. Cause I'm like, I know my thing. It's nature. Like I don't, (laughs) you know, I don't see why I have to have a certain color scheme or a certain, you know, you're not the boss of me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but that is hard for me. And I tend to push back a little like, well, what I don't have that thing that maybe sells as well as other people, but that's not who I am. That's interesting. Um, Just because especially, you know, talking a little bit more about selling art, you know, digitally, there's been a lot of conversations about what sells and what is of interest to people. And there's been so many pushes for people to go, Oh yeah, you're supposed to, you got to make these collections that are super cohesive and they have to all be the same. And then there's conversations of, Oh, you know, you need to make your, put your absolute best work and it needs to be, it needs to have like excellent sorts of value to it. And it has to be, there has to be something special about it. Um, that's more than just being a regular photograph. Right. And I, I think it's, it's good to step back and figure out like, what is it not, what should you be, but what do you want to shoot? What do you, what art do you want to make? Right. Right. Cause if we lose that, I think we lose all of it, you know, if we're not just focusing on what we love and I think, and I just, you know, and like looking at Instagram, I remember having conversations with people whose Instagrams just flow perfectly right, right. through the, the perfect grid and the color schemes <laughs> yeah. are perfect. And, you know, mine's like three landscape shots and a moose and then two landscape shots and an elk. And, you know, I, I just, that sounds like a board I, game. I love that. I have, I know it does. Um, I, I think I have like this envy over those people who have figured out how to curate their images in a way that flows so well. And at the same time, I just don't think that's who I am. And I think that's okay. Oh, you yeah. know, like I love people who have certain styles. I mean, like we we're talking about, you know, like Jared or Tara or, you know, people with these just certain styles and color palettes. And, and I love that. It's just not me because I find myself, I don't know, maybe I'm just ADD with nature and, you know, well, I, all over, but, but so it's interesting you brought those two up because I've interviewed both of them and 
I mentioned this to Jared when I was talking with him that his, I, 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 I kind of almost struggle when I'm looking at it to know, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I mean, it's, it's absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Really beautiful work. But I, the analytical part of me wants to know, okay, how does this, how is this made? Am I looking at just a scene that he found? Am I looking at something that's a composite? Like, I want to see the, I want to know where the lines are. What, what's real, what's not, what did you do differently? And the crazy thing is that he goes and shoots with Tara and they're at the same place, but they don't have the same work. It's no, it's so wildly different. different. And I think that is a and testament. And I love that. Right. Is that, and that's a testament, I think, to how everybody sees things differently. And, and that you are a better version of yourself when you, when you don't try to struggle to be like somebody else. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's the, the key in so much of it is, you know, you have to follow after what you love and what your passion is. And, and I think having that be wildlife and landscapes for me has created, you know, a a bit of a situation where I don't see things, you know, where I don't see like curating my images perfectly in a, in a certain way, but um, I'm okay with that. It's been super fun at the same time to put like wildlife collages together, fall color together and see what I can do and how much I love that. But um, I don't know. I love, I just, I, I think it can be either way. I I just have felt, I guess I've just felt a lot lately in the last year that I've heard more of like, you need your style and, you know, this thing. And I think it's okay to not have an exact style. And people have told me, I asked, uh, there was one point like a year ago, I asked a bunch of people like, do I not have any, you know, kind of theme or style? And pretty much everyone said, I absolutely know the second I see a photo that it's yours. Mm -hmm. Like, a hundred percent. No, it's yours. You don't have a color scheme or the same exact type of abstracts or landscapes you shoot, but you have a style that I know it's you as soon as I see your photo in my feed. Right. And I was like, well, that's what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just don't, I don't know. Maybe it is a, a creative part of me that I don't have or that. Well, I think you know, some people do. But- some people can have a, a consistent color palette or, a a certain way that they think of lines and a way that they where the framing always kind of feels a certain way like i mean a good example and i've brought her up on here before uh charlie savely are you familiar with her uh-huh. work yes i don't even know how she does it i like i i have all I've i don't thought, know how a lot of people do it <laughs> well i mean here's the thing um i mean breathtaking wildlife work mm-hmm. like i mean it you live, in, you live in alaska and you and you put yourself right. out there i mean you're gonna find some amazing scenes but she has a super, super consistent color system. And a lot of times I look at the photos and I'm like, it's like she went out and found this animal because it's this color and because it was in this environment. And I know that it's, some of it is, you know, post-processing, but I'm, it blows my mind how she's able to mix those two, like have it be really epic photography and right. have the colors be so consistent, but to have it not look weirdly manipulated. Exactly. And that is incredible. Talent. Right. How do you, she right. has this, she has this like aqua orange thing, which is, you know, kind of a cinematic thing. Right. But to be able sure. to mix those two things and have it and be like, okay, here's a Fox. Okay. And then here's an Eagle and they go side by side and how, well, right. How, <laughs> but neither one of them look like you've changed their colors. 
Right. I don't. I don't even know. I mean, I just put my hands up. Like, yeah, better than that, me at that's that. where I'm. Like, I'm just not. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm that level. You know. Well, but I think, and I think maybe that's the part where I would say, just as encouragement, like, it's not that you're not that level. It's that, like, she figured out how to do a thing that is, really fits her. It fits right. her personality. It fits what she cares about. It fits what she's passionate about. And what you're building, what you're making artistically is different than that. It it so happens that like, I think we look at things like that and we go, well, that does really well on Instagram. <laughs> and it's hard to not be on that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, to, not, know. to not wish that the thing you did was more of like what Instagram likes, but. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where I got this idea of like, oh my gosh, I do. I want to be able to make my work flow so much together like that. But, um, I don't know that it does require a lot of, you know, and it's not, I'm not saying it's like manipulating the scene, but there is a real editing skill to that and choosing your editing style. And I think I'm just too chaotic. <laughs> like I just, I can't do the same. Like I, it does, it just doesn't work. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, told- I even tried. I even like was like, okay, I'm going to start. It's spring. I'm going to like start my, this Instagram's going to flow to spring and flow. And I was like, you know, three shots in and I'm like, I want to post a bird, you know, right. <laughs> whatever. I just, I think I just very much just do what I want to in that moment a lot. And I don't. Well, I think there are plenty of examples of people who do what they want and are plenty yeah. successful. So <laughs> you're probably in good company there. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those that I have, you know, like I'm getting ready to put out a collection of images that are all street photography, which is completely different from anything so I know. Yeah. Right. And it's honestly, it's just because it's been stuff I've been shooting for 10 years and I'm like, Hey, I have an outlet for this finally. <laughs> right. And which I know, excellent. I know that somebody, there's somebody who would say, you probably shouldn't put that out. It probably ruins your brand. I'm like, I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm just excited that somebody might if look at it. If it's something you love and yeah, you get to share it with people. Exactly. That's exciting. Well, this has been, um, no, this has been great. I, lo- I love hearing your kind of hearing you tear it down a little bit in your, t- just talk about how you've thought about this because um, it's, you have some really beautiful work. The amount of effort. Yeah. I mean, the amount of effort that goes into getting close to these animals and yet not interfering with them. The, yes. My huge point. <laughs> my filming marmots is probably doesn't qualify as, um, <laughs> as being uh, leave no trace or don't hassle the animals. Well, um, marmots kind of walk right in front of you sometimes and they don't, you they know, don't it's care. a little different when you're standing there and or hiking on a trail and they just cruise right up in front of you. Yeah. That's, that's different. But yes, that is, you know, one thing we didn't talk about that I'm very passionate about is giving wildlife their space, not encroaching on what they're doing or they're beha- not changing their behavior to try to get a photo. So you're saying it's you're not, you're not in danger there. of being trampled by a uh, uh, Buffalo by bison. I never am. No, <laughs> no. And I mean, there, you know, and it's challenging. There are times that I've walked away from excellent shot opportunities because it's not okay. And the yeah. people taking the shot and a lot of them are tourists with their phone, you know, or whatever, but they're too close yeah. and they shouldn't be there. And so, yeah, you have to choose to not take those shots yeah. and um, put wildlife first. Oh, and, I love that. And I do that. And I've talked about, I think I'm, I think I might've talked about it on one podcast I did. I'm not sure, but like there's, there was 
you know, none of us are perfect. We've all done things that go against leave no trace and, you know, everything. And, um, the, the one time that I feel like I really did cross a line in getting too close to elk, I'm not proud of the images and mm. I don't share them. Sure. And I didn't, someone else told me they just got rid of them and I still have them, but I don't, I don't share them because oh. I'm not proud of that moment. And even though I have a, you know, really excellent elk photo, you know, bugling in the middle of this river, I have other elk photos in water that were taken very appropriately, but you won't see the ones from this evening where I, I did push it and I shouldn't have. Yeah. And so I'm not proud of that work at all. Well, and that's, that's, that's it so. right there. It's being willing to learn, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I, um, this has been really fun and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, thanks I'm, so much for having I'm, me. Yeah. I'm glad to, to hear more about your journey of where you've been and, and I'm excited to see more of, you know, kind of what you share and what you put out there. Cause it's, it's always fun when you, find an artist you become familiar with their work and then you get to see where they go from there so i'm right i'm excited That's super to, fun i'm excited yeah to it's see been really you... fun meeting so many new photographers this last year yeah well and we, and we didn't mention it yet but um you know speaking about twitter and the nft space you and i are both we just started a new thing um it's called the photo collective right and it's a group of at this point right now 19 photographers from all around the world and we all kind of came together and said, Hey, um, we all like each other's work. Let's, uh, let's kind of come together and form a community. So that's fun. And I'm, I'm guessing that means we'll, we'll be involved in a lot more conversations with each other. Definitely. Uh, it's been really fun. And when we say we've put it together, you've done a lot more behind the scenes work than I have. Honestly, it's just because you have I have more skills in that area than well, I do. <laughs> barely. I, I, most of this stuff lives on Twitter and discord and discord is something that I would have. I hated it until a few weeks ago um, because it was always something that my boys used for video game stuff. Right. And I always was just like, that's so, that's so dumb. I was like, that's slack, but for kids. Yeah. Um, and now I'm. And like, I had not even heard of it. That's pretty much how old I was. I mean, my boys know what it is from all that, but they weren't yeah. involved in it. And yeah. so when I told, I mean, they're like, you're to, doing what, to mom? have been able to video the night that I said, so I have to use Discord. They were literally, they were like crying. They were laughing so hard <laughs> at me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's been a really fun learning process. It's fun to be at this stage in life and having two kids in college who are like proud to see me learn stuff that they don't even understand oh, that's great. yet that's with great. this space. But yeah, it's no, I love funny. It. Well, Keeps you humble having, <laughs> having those kids around at oh, this for age. Sure. For sure. <laughs> Well, if people want to learn more about what you're up to, like I'll, I'll put a link to um, all of this stuff because we're friends. So I, I have links yeah, to all that stuff, ha- yeah. but I would love for you to tell the listeners what is the best place for them to come see your work? I don't know. At this point, it probably really is still Instagram. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a website that, um, you know, as I was saying, my husband did photography before I did. So there's like Everglades and Africa um, yeah. stuff that's, that's, that he did before I did photography. So we have a website together called Flatirons Photography. Okay. And, um, sorry, was that too loud? No worries. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> we live in, uh, we live in 2021. We're all exactly. It's so, a phone. Um, Everybody knows what that is. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm on all social media. I just take turns on which I can't do them all at one time. Right. So I tend to be mostly on Twitter right now, but you know, love Instagram and We'll link you up there. Um, 
Yeah. Um, one more thing. I, this is a little bit of a drop in this on you, but is there anybody that you know of that you think I should talk to? Um, have you talked to Kristen Ryan? I have not. No. I would highly recommend Kristen Ryan. Okay. Tell me, tell me about, um, I'll give you, I'll give you her information, but I, she's my, I would say she's been my mentor okay. in photography. Um, I connected with her through our love of the Tetons and basically found each other on Instagram. Cause realizing we've been, you know, pretty much in the same place at yeah. the same time sure. shooting things. And so we connected that way. And I got to know this whole group of women through her. She leads, um, exclusive women's workshops oh, cool. in the Tetons. Um, she's at a glacier. She's done Banff. She does it in Chicago. She lives in Chicago, but she grew up in the Tetons, um, at her grandparents cabin there. Oh, wow. And she's an Lucky. incredible photographer and Incre- I know incredible educator and teacher. And I've taken online classes from her. I've been with her in person at a retreat type thing. She taught me long exposure. Um, oh, that's great. She's just very fascinating. She's a mom of four kids who are all, I believe, freshmen and maybe sophomore in high school now and younger. Um, and she definitely makes time for photography, though, and and is just great at teaching and inspiring oh, others. Cool. So she ha- she'll see a lot of similar scenes in terms of the Teton stuff that we love. But um, I, I would love to hear her. She's been on Matt Payne's podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what other one she's okay. done. Well, but... if you, if you're friends with her, we gotta, we gotta make that connection. Yeah, I will. Okay. I definitely will. I think she's great. She's up there right now. I'll be shooting with her oh, on cool. Wednesday night. That's great. Yeah. Good. We'll mention, mention it. And, um, I will say hey, we had a fun time talking and you should be on there too. <laughs> I definitely will. Very cool. Yeah. She's great. Good. Well, that is a, that's a perfect, uh, perfect, um, recommendation. Okay. Great. Appreciate it. So, Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm thank you. This has Dan. been super really fun. And it. the times we've 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 chatted a few times using Discord, right? <laughs> using the chat feature. <laughs> you had to kind of help me with the chat feature, but well, I'm getting I'm getting pretty good. I had to get help Discord. the first couple times I used it too. It's not super intuitive. Yeah, but we've chatted on Discord. We've chatted in Twitter spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this'll be this'll be um Hopefully it's just the beginning of uh, getting all of our group of people, uh, all of our group Definitely. of friends to, to all have conversations. I'm, I'm hoping to get all of them on here at some point and do that. Oh, it would be great. It's such a great group of photographers. Yeah. This that, is, that, this is a fun format. It's a little different than like the spaces we do over on Twitter. Or Definitely. Kind of thing. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll, um, it's, it's Monday. We both got stuff to do. I gotta, I know. I gotta go pick up my daughter <laughs> from school and you gotta get ready to head out of town. I do. Yeah, I have a lot to do before tomorrow, plus work and the staff meeting and, all, you know, that whole other work side of things. Exactly. So, we'll enjoy. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dan. Great to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Also, I'm open to suggestions for interesting people to interview. So if you know of someone I should talk to, please reach out. You can reach out to me via the email link in the show notes, or you can send a message on Instagram or Facebook with the handle at GoTakePictures. New episodes are on the way soon, and if you subscribe, you'll get them as soon as they drop. But in the meantime, go take pictures.